0: Thanks for watching the pretty intense podcast today on the show is Stephanie Lynn. I've been following Stephanie's work on YouTube for a really long time. She talks a lot about narcissism and codependency and personality disorders and red flags and all kinds of various different things. And, but she's a, she's a coach as well, a relationship coach. She has over a half a million subscribers to her YouTube page. So just go check it out. She has tons of content. So we, we did touch on personality disorders and what kind of develops them. But what I wanted to know more so is like, how do we not become a match for that? Like, how do we become the one, the person? Like, how do we become the solution to what manifests as problems in front of us with a partner and with being triggered? It was like a great deep dive on just like the self and how critical it is to develop the relationship with yourself, with your inner child and check in and really, really use that relationship as your number one relationship that you check in with every day. And we talked about that. We talked about relationships, sex. We talked about Uh, chemistry, compatibility, you know, all kinds of really, really great topics that I feel like people would be curious about. So enjoy the episode. Please hit subscribe and the bell for the notifications when we have an episode come out. And um, please let me know in the comments what you think. I am curious what resonated with you the most in this episode. So I've been watching your videos on YouTube for so
1: long.
2: Really? Oh, it's so great. I think I started in like 2017. I mean, you've killed it. You've killed it, girl. I'm so excited. There was one year, honestly, it was 2020 that I think kind of just pandemic and people were just trapped and left to their own devices. And, you know, so it was, it's been really good. It's been fulfilling and and now it's starting to evolve into like different things too, like entrepreneurship. And I feel like as I evolve, I'm like, I want you guys to come with me. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to always be talking about like the negative stuff. Like let's focus on like good stuff.
0: Yeah, we're going to do some of that. Why do you think, I'm curious why you think maybe 2020 was the reason other than obviously people being in their houses, like what is the more psychological reason that could have pushed people into wanting to consume more of your content?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think honestly being stuck in the house and not being able to do the normal or not have the normal distractions that I think a lot of people had, it kind of brings Everything to the surface, like traumas and wounds, and really looking at your relationship, you know, those kind of things. So I think that probably was the reason why.
0: Yeah. So, did your content come from being um, from a profession, from going to school, from being a counselor, um, psychiatrist? Nope. It was all or-
2: personal experience. Oh, it was- Yeah. So I was married to someone who I deem definitely has narcissistic traits. And I kind of started with that. But it started even before that relationship with just understanding codependency and being like, oh, I think I'm codependent. Understanding childhood trauma and emotional wounds and being highly sensitive and an empath. And it kind of just law of attraction. And then it kind of just started to just evolve into like everything
0: that I talk about. Oh, yeah. There's something very unique about the experience of being with a narcissist that mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you, do you think it's even possible to really comprehend it and understand it if you haven't yeah. had the experience? I agree. Why is that- I don't
2: think so. And I, you know, cause it's not like any other relationship. And I, I think when you talk about it with people that have never been in it, it's, it's just, it's really hard to understand. You know, it's more than just like, oh, they're a little unhealthy or they have these toxic traits. It goes so deeper than that.
0: Um, And it's so nuanced. There's so many little things Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, just something like getting like when they don't look at you at a party the whole night, it nothing looks wrong, but yet they don't show you any attention. They don't look at you or, you know, the sort of seemingly helpful, backstabbing compliments of like oh you just need to love yourself more you know and you just like it's like it's like a thousand knives
2: and those are things that we're not taught you know like no one teaches us about those kind of things and i think if you come from a place where you have your own stuff and you don't understand like the educational part of it you don't understand psychology you don't understand you know emotional abuse and gaslighting and manipulation and all of those kind of terms that like no one You know, mom and dad don't sit at the dinner table teaching you that stuff. That if you don't know it and you're you don't feel healthy within your own self, you're just you're not gonna really see it until you just can't not see it anymore.
0: I wanna try and see how we can not be a candidate for those relationships. Mm. So maybe let's start by just even. Because sometimes there's some context within a family, you know, you hear about, or you hear from your partner, like what their parents were like, or how they refer to them, their experiences. So what is it that is in the parental unit uh, Mm -hmm. that creates a narcissist? And then I also want to talk about a codependent because they're not all that much different.
2: No, they're not. Actually, that's a really good point. Um, they're actually two very similar people. They just get what they need in different ways. Right. You know. Right. So a codependent is typically raised by someone who was emotionally abusive or emotionally unavailable. Doesn't mean that our parents are bad. It just means that they were doing the best that they can do. Right. And so a narcissist is usually raised by a narcissist or someone who could possibly be codependent as well just very much enables the behavior so it's i always found this part so interesting so you're telling me that two people can be raised by the same parents and one turns out to be narcissistic and one turns out to be codependent like and that's something that i don't really think we can explain it just has to more so do with the child and just kind of like what direction do they go in yeah, Maybe the sensitivities of the child or what the child needs and what they're not able to really give themselves will kind of determine what direction they go in.
0: What are some ways that someone would describe their parents if they had that kind of childhood or psychological abuse to some degree?
2: Both a codependent parent and a narcissistic parent can both be damaging in their own ways. So it, it really, you know, if you're looking at like a narcissistic parent, It kind of varies. It could be someone who's keeping up with the Joneses, someone who values achievement over the connection that they really have with the child. It's really that parent's inability to connect on an emotional level with a child where I can actually see you where I want to know more about you, what do you think? How do you feel inside? Just having that kind of like validation and being able to soothe you and really honor what you think and feel, even as a very young child, you know, um, that emotionally man 100%. And that, that really determines how healthy a person really grows up to be is whether or not they can really connect emotionally with one or both of their parents. And we all have that one parent that we tended to kind of gravitate more towards or we connected more towards with that parent usually that's the parent that kind of saw us
0: what is it what is the pathway to not being a match to that what <laughs> is the work that needs to be done like how early do you need to start like how do we how do we just not find ourselves in a emu- in emotionally abusive relationships
2: i think the biggest thing is education
0: for me that's that was
2: like really huge like like i said understanding what is narcissism? What is codependency? What is emotional abuse? What is manipulation? Like, understanding all those things, even little things like we understand smaller ones, like, oh, she's being passive aggressive,
1: mm-hmm. or oh, they're
2: giving me the silent treatment. Like, those things are a little easier to understand, but understanding. What boundaries look like? What does it look like when someone violates a boundary? How do I even honor my own self? How do I listen to myself? How do I have this really great relationship with myself? Because that really will determine, you know, every relationship that you have is how do I feel when I'm around this person? Am I looking for this person to save me? Am I looking for this person to validate me? Am I looking for this person to make me feel something that I didn't feel prior to going into this relationship?
0: When I visited Egypt, I was introduced to an expert aromacologist who explained the healing powers of various scents. I returned home with 18 bottles of powerful essences that unlocked specific feelings and had all sorts of healing properties. I became inspired to find a functional way to deliver them in a new consumer lifestyle product. Candles became my medium. Voyant means seer. A reference to the inner eye chakra, one of the key energy points in the body essential to wellness and healing. Voyant is a doorway to openness and imagination, a catalyst in our daily journey. Whether you're connecting with others or enjoying alone time, Voyant strives to beautify the home and the soul to create a haven of peace and joy. The candle is delivered with a beautiful monogram 12-ounce stemless wine glass, which can be used after the wax is gone. My limited edition candle collection is available exclusively at voyantbydanica.com. Yeah. What was your journey with boundaries? I'm curious. Like because I'm um, guessing you were more codependent, is that right? I
2: definitely more codependent. It's weird because I actually had boundaries in the sense that if I didn't want to do something, I wasn't gonna do it. You know, I wasn't that kind of wishy-washy. I think it was more just listening to my own intuition and going off of how I felt around people to decide whether or not they were just good for me. Not that they were like horrible people either. Not every person is like the worst person in the world and we cannot be around them whatsoever. Some people are just a little unhealthy. Some people just have traits that just aren't the best. And it's kind of their own defense mechanism of how they deal with uncomfortable feelings that they feel so anyone that is emotional abusive i mean we and we've all done it we've all been a little passive aggressive or a little whatever but do we are we doing it consistently and when we do do it do we spot it Mm
1: -hmm. i think
2: that's really the difference between someone who's just a little i'm a little unhealthy or i'm using this as a defense because i don't like how what you're doing is making me feel versus i do this consistently and i do it because i want to hurt you almost in a way to make me feel better
0: what are some ways that we can create boundaries and i and i say create because like it feels like to develop them because that's something that i never had like answering, you know, what would I do if I could do anything in my day or what makes me happy? You know, when, when other people, when you're relying on someone else to give you feedback, to make you feel good, because that's the dependency is I, I, I feel the way about myself based on how you feel about me. Like, how does someone start, how does someone start developing boundaries? Like, what are a few things that people can do to, Mm. to, to, to sort of have more autonomy?
2: I would say boundaries really starts with asking yourself every single day, what do I think and how, how do I feel? Every single day throughout the day. You know, I always what I really teach is not just teaching people about like narcissism or codependency. You can Google that and really understand the dynamics of that. It's more about like mental health. So what I was supposed to learn, well, first off, what I was supposed to get were parents that really mirrored connecting to me. Mm Because I, you're born with intuition. You're born with knowing exactly what you want and how you feel. You're so connected to yourself as a baby, and then you kind of lose it based on the mirror that you have, and you know other factors, society, and things like that. But when that mirror isn't the healthiest, and when no one's really inquisitive and kind of honoring you and teaching you boundaries in a healthy way, right? Not scolding you, but teaching you how to self soothe. You know how to validate yourself. Those are two huge, huge. Huge parts of emotional health that we oftentimes don't get. And- Explain those just
0: a little bit more. Self-soothe and self-soothe. then the other one. The ability and validate. To self-soothe and validate yourself. So what does that even look like?
2: So validation is that you honor what you think and how you feel, regardless of it.
0: So regardless of how anyone else feels or what anyone else says, your validation is how do I how do I feel about this?
2: How do I feel about this? What do I think? And what do I need right now? And, and validating that, that thought, because essentially that thought's coming from your inner child, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if I honor that, then she feels seen and heard and validated, right? If I don't, then I'm judging her.
0: In the heart of Napa Valley lays somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The somnium vineyard estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code SOMNIUM to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly.
2: And then I shame her, right? So how many times have we said, I don't know why I feel the way I feel. Like, I don't want to feel this way. Like, it's ridiculous for me to feel this way. I should be over it by now or something like that,
0: right? Denying, denying, denying.
2: Yeah, exactly. Not listening to her, not validating her. You're judging her. You're shaming her. Um, And when that happens, you start to build this, um, first of all, divide between you and that inner self, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no trust there. So now she starts to shut up. So when she does feel something, and this is called suppression, she -hmm. just doesn't say anything. She just keeps it down, keeps it down. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll have like a meltdown. You're like, what happened? I don't even know what happened to me. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you haven't really been listening to yourself. You haven't really been validating yourself. And the ability to self-soothe is different for everyone. And I say this to people all the time. If you're in the store and you're waiting in line, people are going like this. They're going from side to side. They're soothing themselves. They don't even probably realize that they're doing
1: it, but they
2: are. The nervous leg that kind of, you know, the twitching, whatever, obviously that's a nervous twitch, but there's some kind of soothing that that person's doing to kind of calm themselves down. Mm -hmm, So you kind of have to find... You know, like what works for you? You're not going to sit there, you know, on a first date and be like, oh, my God, I love myself. Just be a little anxious
0: right now. Don't worry about himself soothing.
2: So you kind of have to figure out and you really get to know yourself in this process of like, hey, like, what can I do that would make you feel better? You know, and having those kind of like internal conversations, you really get to learn about yourself and like who you are and what makes you feel good and honoring that. And it's kind of, you know, I tell people all the time, whether they have children or not. You are essentially learning how to babysit yourself or to parent yourself. So if I said, hey, we're gonna end this and you're gonna have a seven-year-old with you for the next three months, or a five-year-old, or a two-year-old, or a 14-year-old. And now you have to parent based on where that child's at. And look at all the things that you just naturally will give her that you just don't give yourself. Mm. And and it's 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 a practice, but the more you do it, not sound cliche, that the better you get at it, but you start to feel better too.
0: Yeah, talk more about the inner child because I've probably found the most amount of growth and clarity with that connection. Um, mm. In fact, like I had a um, a really cool EMDR experience, which I'm a big big fan of, um, where it was sort of like a conflict, a dynamic, and the information was basically just that. You know, my inner child has been afraid that I don't talk to her, trust her, listen. (laughs) And so, in this sort of abandoning of maybe how I really feel, she would retreat as if because she didn't trust me. And that Mm -hmm. it was, and it's not just like she's symbiotically, or she's not just some higher power that's always in alignment. She's like an energy as well. And that as soon as I start to sort of validate her, then she's right there. Like it doesn't take long. It's not a hard trust situation, but, and then once she's there, no matter what dynamic is in front of me, the information was that I feel calm and okay, because the, Number one relationship I could ever have in my entire life is that one. So anything in front of me is not a problem because I'm, I'm now, which is what we're all seeking the best relationship. I'm in it. Like I'm trusting it and I'm in it. And it was just like this. It's mind blowing. I know. Right. Yeah. You know,
2: what's so nice is that life gets actually a little easier. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really that hard when you do it because like you said, it really doesn't take long. Like people think mental health or self-development and opening the window and like doing all this, you know, dark night of the soul and like all these really deep spiritual practices that we're having just to find inner peace or or whatever it is that we're really searching for. Even to like manifest things. Um, It doesn't take long once you kind of start this process. And I tell people the one thing that we're not I always look at mental health as a big umbrella and I say, okay, there's mental health on this side and then there's emotional health on this side and emotional health. And we're we're taught mental health in terms of how to push through, you know, motivation, like real logical things. Like that's not real and fears. Like we understand these logical aspects of mental health, but the emotional aspects we don't really learn because most of us are taught to sweep things under the rug. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. We have to push through, you know, we're given that kind of tough love mentality and we miss the emotional piece. And you can't go to, you can do it. You got this without that emotional validation, soothing, caring, love, nurturing. You you, you need that first because that's what makes you human. You're not a robot. You're not supposed to skip over what you just innately feel. And like you said, the minute you just start kind of listening and giving her what she needs and and you honor yourself and you're like, you know what? That actually doesn't work for me. And I don't want to do that right now. And you learn how to soothe yourself and work through some of the codependencies. Things just start getting easier and you feel better because you are your own best friend. And when that relationship gets really good, first of all, you start picking way better partners (laughs) because now you're measure what you're going off of is higher your standard is higher because you have this great relationship and you feel good That the minute you can start to sense something that doesn't feel good you're okay with leaving it because you don't need it in the way that you did before so to kind of go back to that first question that you were asking me about narcissism and how to not attract those relationships number one is education but an understanding just what narcissism is i mean i didn't know any of that stuff But a big part is kind of diving into your own self. And unfortunately, sometimes you kind of have to go to the past a little bit and Mm -hmm. dip your toe in it and just Mm -hmm. say, okay, well, what happened growing up? What didn't I get? What was I supposed to get? And what was it supposed to look like? And and kind of unleashing those those wounds, you know, abandonment and and betrayal and violation and, you know, all of those kind of emotional abuse wounds Mm -hmm. that we sometimes carry with us that are unhealed you know, we go to therapy and we talk it out, which is great, but have, you don't realize that they actually still kind of show up in your day-to-day life.
0: Right. Well, and, and the level might lower, right. There's certain things you might kind of attune to at a certain level of stressor or, challenge, but you know, as soon as you get squeezed really hard again, it's still there. It's still Um, there. Yeah. yeah. And so,
2: judge that you know what i mean like that's the biggest thing i i coach so many people that will say i thought i was over it i thought i dealt with that and -hmm. then like 10 years later something comes back up and it's like again i go back to like that simplistic you're human and you feel and i think sometimes we don't like to feel we're not taught how to feel and deal with those kind of uncomfortable emotions yeah No one ever questions why am I happy, (laughs) but they definitely question why, why am I sad? Why am I depressed? Why am I worried?
0: Mm, You know? Yeah, totally. What (laughs) about that? I want to, don't want to skip over the diving into the past because I feel like this is one of those areas that I don't feel like everyone's clear on. Um, that you have to unpack the past. You have to feel the past. You have to understand Mm -hmm. it. You have to go there again. Um, I firmly believe that you don't have to go there with the person because you know, they, they don't make you feel better. If, I mean, you know, we've all been in situations where someone said, Oh, I'm sorry, but like, it doesn't matter because the pain is higher than what the sorry feels like. So it never reaches the the pain point. So Mm -hmm. it's not like you need them, but I believe you have to go into the past, but I think there's other people. I mean, there's other big spiritual teachers that, you know, you just have to sort of create the life that you want to move forward. And the past is the past. And, you know, manifesting what you want is a changing of your reality. And, and, and I just, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that and your experience through coaching and how beneficial it is for people to um, alchemize an experience that was really bad for them. Mm.
2: Well, I think, you know, and I follow those people too. And everything that they teach is super powerful. It's super correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an element, I feel like, with the manifestation law of attraction thing, which 100% is valid. Energy is a thing. Vibration is a thing. If you haven't learned about it, go learn about it because it's real. But... There's an element of, I go back to that emotional health piece that needs to happen. So the validation and the soothing, that doesn't mean you live in those spaces. It doesn't mean, oh God, okay, I'm going to open the window again. And we're going to sit here and talk about mom and dad and how my ex-husband did this. No, that's not what it's about, but it is about just accepting that it's there, you know, and just giving that little, um, I hate to keep using the word validation, but it's kind of like the only word that's coming to mind, just giving yourself the ability to say, yeah, I do feel like that right now. And then, you know, moving through into, you know, more of that kind of like, you know, energy and positive thinking. And I'm a firm believer in positive thinking and affirmations. I think they're absolutely huge, especially affirmations. I mean, when I started, I was constantly all day, every day, listening to Louise Hay and I was just constantly feeding my mind because I realized that the tape was not the best and I didn't have the tools. I wasn't right. strong enough or I didn't have the tools to every day be like, I'm going to do this. I can yeah. do this. I'm amazing. I love myself. You need to feed your mind just like you feed your body. Yes. So I always tell people that when they're going through, I mean, even just day-to-day maintenance of living, you have to feed your mind because the news and people and situations and the weather, <laughs> you know, they can kind of creep yeah. in and throw you off this like positive train that you're on. Um, but you have to be able to go to the past and say, yeah, I am sad today. And I'm thinking about something that happened to me, or I just ran into my ex or whatever. And yeah. I'm, I'm sad. Like that's yeah. okay to sit there. The, the balance is how long do you sit there? Right? Like that's kind of start what makes someone, um, I don't want to say mentally strong, but where you really love yourself is, can I sit there and also get myself out of that space?
0: Mm -hmm. If you get sad about something, it means something. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Mm -hmm. what would, what would, how would you coach someone through like, You know, this happened and I saw my ex and I just feel really bad and I miss him. And, you know, I'm not sure like I questioned, did I do something wrong? Maybe it was me. Like Mm -hmm. what, what, what would be, how would, how would you coach someone through being triggered? Because the trigger is still the teacher. The
2: more you don't judge the trigger and you allow it to be there, the more it stops showing up you know what I mean? Like it's when you ignore the trigger Mm. that it's going to keep going there. Cause like you said, it's a trigger, it's coming up for a reason. So my biggest thing is always to understand what are my triggers, but what's the story behind the trigger. So it's not your ex, it was the story behind it. So for me, my ex-husband left me for another woman, you Mm. know, and now they're married and they have children together. Mm. So Mm. that, if that, that was a trigger for years with me and it wasn't, her and it wasn't the relationship it wasn't him leaving me or anything like that it was what that
0: meant in my mind or what that example what was the because this will resonate with somebody so then what was what did you think or what did that mean to you
2: I think the story that in everyone's mind in my kind of a situation whether you're cheated on or you're left or just someone is cruel to you is what did I do wrong you know like what I do to deserve this that's always like the biggest one um you know, I never really had the whole, like, I'm not enough thing. Like I didn't know. I I always knew, I knew quickly that this wasn't really about me. It was actually about him. So like, I got that. And I know some people don't get that and they really much go within and blame themselves a lot. But there was more, my story was more of like, what didn't I do? Was there something that or or how could I have been a better wife or, how, you know, what what didn't I just what didn't I do as a partner? You know, and that's when I started understanding that even if I nagged, even if I was like the biggest, you know, you know what all the time, that still didn't warrant his behavior. And I'm I wasn't I wasn't meant to give him everything He was supposed to learn how to do that himself. So then I started learning about like, oh, I'm supposed to be whole and I'm supposed to be happy and know how to do this by myself. And you're supposed to be whole and happy. And then we just live life together. Like we're not supposed to be so enmeshed where Mm -hmm. I'm not giving you what you need and you're not giving me what I need. And I think most couples, especially ones that I've coached over the years, I mean, you know, if you go to couples counseling, the first thing is give me the list of everything that your partner is doing wrong rather than kind of sitting there and saying, well, what am I doing that's causing the relationship that I have that I don't enjoy?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right? We're always pointing and wanting the other person to
0: change. What tend to be the fundamental, like, root causes? Maybe not even root, because it might be like, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Um, there's, there's those kinds of, like, baseline narratives that people have based on childhood. But, like, what are some of the biggest points that like what are the what are the big big hot buttons in relationships that bring out the most in people what do you see
2: i think most people want the other person to change to be the person that they want them to be rather than accepting who they are number 1 i think the other thing is is that we when we feel uncomfortable in life we don't know how to deal with it validation self soothing getting ourselves out of a space and so we project that wound, that insecurity, that jealousy, that frustration, whatever, onto our partners. So if you don't know why you feel the way you feel, you're going to vomit it onto someone else because you don't feel comfortable. And so you have to kind of like put that energy onto someone else, which is, you know, I don't know, picking a fight or dirty looks or past progressive behavior. And then we start getting into like the emotional abuse stuff. So it's like, you don't have to be narcissistic or a psychopath or sociopath or anything like that. You could just be the average person who feels something, say, for example, the woman feels taken advantage of because she feels as though she does everything in the relationship and he doesn't do anything. And so instead of she, she might understand that that's what is going on, but she doesn't know how to articulate it and communicate that with the partner and also taking a step back and saying maybe I just don't have boundaries and I'm actually doing too much and I shouldn't be yeah,
1: and right. I'm resentful.
2: <laughs> and I'm resentful. Exactly. So there's that accountability on her part that she's not taking, you know, doing and the communication part, because now she communicates with him, he gets defensive and he thinks like there's something wrong with him and his ego got bruised. And then we have this conflict.
0: What's the biggest difference between men and women? Ooh, that's a good question.
2: Um, I would say the biggest difference between them, you know, I don't know. I think, I think the thing that we can work on is balancing our masculine and our feminine energies. I think that's what I see a real struggle with, is a woman trying to be too masculine, not sitting in her feminine, not comfortable in her feminine energy, and a man same thing. You know, th- there's, there's a balance that is kind of off. And I think, especially in like in today's world, where like women entrepreneurs and trying to be mothers and trying to own businesses and men trying to figure out like, okay, I feel less than because she also makes the money and she's doing this. Or, you know, he doesn't want to stay home because of with his kids, because of what people would think of him. You know, I think we're trying to figure out what our roles are, but I, you know, I think the, it, to kind of answer your question, because it just kind of came up. I think women are more comfortable with their emotions and men aren't. Yeah. Men are, you know, we're unfortunately, you know, we're still not raising our boys to become men that can say, I feel sad. I feel hurt. I'm anxious. I'm worried. And they don't know how to have that kind of inner dialogue with themselves. I mean, us as women, we don't really know it either, but we're, we are more emotional you know, than men are. And so we can't help but for it to come out because it'll come out our eyeballs, especially during certain points in the month.
0: <laughs> right. You just can't keep it down.
2: That nah, is it's not. Nah, it's gonna come out at some point. Depressing gonna, emotions
0: like, is not easy to do. No, we can't do that. It shows on our
2: face, it comes out our eyes, like there's no way. But a man can, you know, because that's what they're taught to do. Power mm. through, boys don't cry, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah he's suppressing any kind of relationship that he could possibly have with himself. And he's probably not happy. I see a lot of men that aren't happy, that aren't fulfilled. I see more women that feel fulfilled in their lives than men because they're connected to themselves. They're learning how to honor who they are, what they need, and they're giving themselves that. And they feel fulfilled in life. Men are still trying to chase something I feel like, and something that feels unfulfilling to them.
0: I want to talk about cheating somewhere. I read that men cheat to stay and women cheat to leave. And I was like, interesting. But first (laughs) I want you to, um, from your perspective, articulate a healthy masculine and feminine in a man Mm. and in a woman. This may sound bizarre, but
2: I don't know if there's like a real difference. Like, you know, I think that Depending on what you lead with the most, I've always led with more masculine energy than feminine energy because that's just how I was raised, and it was my defense mechanism based on my abandonment and stuff like that, Um, and having to be the strong one and like all of those other things. So it, I kind of just like flowed into that role very, very yeah. easily. I hear so you. I yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so I've had to learn how to trust, how to let someone lead. Um, and I think men vice versa, you know, can a man lead because as a woman, we all want a man. We all, you know, in in that sense, depending on what, um, uh, energy you gravitate towards, you know, so if it's two women, same thing, you're going to either gravitate towards masculine energy or feminine energy. So you are wanting to be feminine, then you're going to really crave that kind of masculine energy. And especially if you have never really had a strong masculine energy in your life, you're going to even more crave it. So I think if we can learn how to be comfortable in the roles that we're not comfortable in, right? Like mine is feminine. um, Then we can have relationships that feel very balanced so like in my relationship, there are times where I lead and he's comfortable with that. He's not intimidated by it. He's like, you do your thing, girl. And then there are times where I take a back seat and he leads and I respect him for that.
0: And so do you agree on those, do you agree on where those places are in your relationship or does it naturally, organically happen?
2: I think, I do think that it organically happens. I think you, I mean, first off, you have to wholeheartedly respect the person that you're with. I think that's probably one of the biggest things to finding Mm -hmm. a person that's right for you is do you, looking at them, put everything aside, do you Mm -hmm. actually respect the person that they are as a human being? How they live their life how they carry themselves they may not be perfect but do you respect them when people say to me like what's the one thing that you need in a relationship people will say like communication or loyalty or honesty or whatever but it for me it is respect because if i respect you then i'm going to communicate in a different way with you than if
0: i don't can you just drill down on the word respect i just want to <laughs> hear some more around what that really means for me it's regardless of what you do for a living
2: you know, you leave your socks on the floor. Are you a kind human being? It, what you give to the world? Do I look at that and say, that's really important. I think that's valuable. You know, like how you treat other people. Yeah. And you may always, you may not always be the nicest, but what is the consistent behavior mm-hmm. and really how healthy are you? You know, like if you're a fairly healthy human being, this is, yeah, I have some stuff. I have some wounds and this is what they are. And the person even knows what's going on inside of themselves and they're trying to work on it and fix it. It makes you, It hopefully it'll make you even more attracted to the person because they're owning it. They're not deflecting yeah. vulnerability. It. They're, not, they're not treating you poorly. When someone treats you poorly, it's because something's going on inside of them. They're uncomfortable and they're treating someone else unfair, unkind, right? Because they're uncomfortable mm-hmm. or their self-esteem isn't there, or they have all of these abandonment issues or whatever. The list can go on and on and on um, that's why we can't take what people do to us personally. Right. Mm. But yeah, I think it really comes down to just the character of a person.
0: Why do people cheat then?
2: I think, I mean, I think people cheat for different reasons. I think, I think some people cheat because they don't honor that they don't want to be with this person, you know, that they, maybe the person isn't right for them. Um, and they don't want to admit that for whatever reasons. I think some people cheat because they think the grass is greener. I think some people cheat because they think that the next person is going to be easier than this. And they don't usually, and I kind of see this more with men than women when they start dipping, especially when you start getting into like affairs, that's really, I don't want to deal with me. And so instead of not dealing with me, I'm just going to leave. Yeah. And you know, the grass is never greener, but there's an element of, I don't want to open this window.
1: Mm.
0: And so I just, I just leave. <laughs> mm. Mm, Some people get fired from the job, I think, too. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, You
0: know, they kind of just start to in the in in the back office, start to just really fuck things up. You know, they just start to make a mess because they're not man or woman enough to end something that they know is not right. So they get themselves fired from the job.
2: Yes. Yes. It's just yeah. Some people it is a little bit of kind of like a cop out. Right. Like, I don't want to own it maybe they don't want to live alone. Maybe they don't want to start over. And so there's like an element of, all right, let me try to find some happiness here. Let me keep this. Let me just mess it all up. So maybe she'll leave me.
0: You know, if you'd listen to those, Hay, and you know, there might be some other people in that sphere. Do you ever listen to Abraham Hicks stuff?
2: It took me a while to be able to listen to Abraham because I was like, what is this woman talking about? (laughs) You're
0: Um, like, this makes no sense.
2: Oh, she's channeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, she's talking to someone. I don't think it's her. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I think every person, like even Eckhart Tolle, I listened to him. It took me a while to like graduate to certain, you know, really deep spiritual people that are talking some stuff that you have to really understand what the heck they're talking about and be able to like break it down so it feels impactful, right? And then it's
0: actually helpful. Yeah, so you can hear it, right? Yeah. Sort of like we can't treat people at a higher level necessarily than we treat ourselves. We also, Mm -hmm. you know, can't really hear at a level higher than where we're at. So like, I always feel like the journey of who's teaching you kind of continues to spiral because you've heard the information, you get it, you kind of move on, you kind of get it, you kind of go, you kind of get it. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's higher or lower. It might just be different, but, um, but, but I think so. The question I had about Abraham Hicks content is that, and I'm curious your thoughts. She, Abraham source channels the information that anyone could be the right person. Like Mm. you could use anyone as your point of attention for all the positive things. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So is that, do you believe that from a spiritual level? Do you believe that energetically that if you respected somebody If you focused on all of the positive, because you only get with somebody in the beginning because of the positive, right? You see a bunch of things that you like and you go in Mm -hmm. and then over time, you know, things chip away or traumas sort of surface, triggers get activated. Um, uh, You know, sometimes you become a little bit of an investigator for all the things to protect you from something that you've had happen to you before um, and look for problems um to hedge your bets. So there's all that, but do you think that it's possible to just really really use someone if you never wanted them to change from the way they are, you respected them, could you use them as your point of attention for all the positive for the rest of your life? I think
2: as long as you both want the same things, so for me, do you share the same beliefs and values? Do you want the same things out of life? So I think any relationship can work 100% and be very successful if you are, for me, I do think physical attraction has to be there. So, and, and that's not something that you have to even work at. You either have chemistry or you don't, and that's totally fine. So chemistry, um, do we share the same beliefs? Do we want the same things? If those things are there, then the reason why a relationship does not work out is because you're swimming in that pool and I'm in this pool and we're not anywhere near each other.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know,
2: How, if I'm going on this journey of self-development and growth and I'm honoring this, I'm working on myself and you're not doing any of the work, no chance.
0: I think chemistry and compatibility are two really big buckets of curiosity. I was just listening to something this morning of a psychologist talking about chemistry being something that can grow. And sometimes after the first date, you're like, oh, I don't know. And Uh I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. So I think you I, either know or you I, don't know.
2: Yes. I think you do have to have some tiny inkling of I'm curious, you know? I mean, we all know we've met people on date one and we're like, nope, that's a hard no. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yep, Nope, not there. That's okay. But I do think there are those other people that you're like, I don't know. I don't know yet. Uh, maybe. And And I've had that experience happen to me multiple times. Almost every person I've ever been with, it's kind of been like a, I don't know. I don't know. The problem was, is that when I did know, I didn't honor it. Right. So it was, I was intrigued to learn more and I think you should, right. We need to learn about the person before we just like completely write them off. Um, but I, and I, so I do think that that can grow, but there has to be something there between you and that person that even makes you want to like find out more. So if that's not there, then to me, that's, that's a no.
0: (laughs) what about compatibility because god i've made so many poor decisions of thinking that compatibility was two people liking all the same stuff and the and being more the same and the more the same you were the better off you were probably going to be but that's not the case so like like what like what are like some pillars of compatibility that you go like these are the four things like you got to be in alignment about these things or maybe there's 10 or 2 i don't know but like, what is it? Cause I, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure yeah, out
2: yeah. how compatibility is. Well, I mean, I don't know, for me, I look at it like there has to be common interest. There has to be, you know, if you, if you took out the sexual attraction, right. Just take out that for a second chemistry, so to speak, let's not even focus on that. Is this person your friend? Like I'm, I'm always looking for my best friend. I'm not looking for someone that's exactly like me, but I am looking for someone that, you know, do opposites attract? Yes, they do. Do similar people can be married for 50 years and they have the same interests and, and everything. Yeah, that can work too. So I don't know if it's more of, do I respect you? Are you my friend? Really looking at people as friends. And not worrying about, you know, the sexual chemistry compatibility kind of part, because that will just either be there or won't. And yes, you can work on it, but you shouldn't have to work hard in the beginning. It should, it should be there yeah, yeah. And for me. I'm always, I was more so looking for my friend
1: mm-hmm.
2: because when, you know, you, you, know, you've met a woman before where like, you immediately hit it off. You're like, this is my soul sister. Like we just clicked. It was mm-hmm. so easy. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for it in a man with a penis. That's it. Right. (laughs) right. Doesn't mean he has to go and like get his nails done with me or do any of that stuff. No. But is he my friend? So understanding like what should a good friend be for me? And I had to look at my past relationships and look at all of those men. It wasn't that many. And, um, and looking at like, what didn't they What couldn't they have provided that I really needed them to be able to give me as a friend? And a lot of it was, you know, do they have empathy? Do they validate? Did they shame? And not needing the validation, but validation is important. That's one of the things that connects you to another human being is that ability for me to sit here and have empathy and sit with you in how you feel and understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling. That's just like basic friendship stuff. Right. So we, we get a little in our heads with maybe like, what does he do for a living? Does he want kids? And yeah, those things are important, but is he a good person when I'm stressed and I go to this person that I'm dating and I say, I'm stressed. I'm having anxiety. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm worried. What do they do? How do they show up? Once you kind of understand that, and you can only understand that. Once you have already started doing it for yourself.
0: Yeah. Meeting at the same level, right?
2: <laughs> same level. And then it's really, really easy to spot the person. So my exes, the things that they didn't give me, I craved them because I wasn't giving it to myself. And I couldn't see that they weren't giving it to me because I wasn't giving it to myself. Mm. You see what I mean? Like There was such a hole there that mm. when I started to feel better and I was single and I was by myself and I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I just not to sound cliche, but I was like, I'm going to actually learn how to love myself. Like, what does that really mean? Then I started feeling kind of whole (laughs) and I felt good. And then when I started dating, I was like, all right, I just, my aunt used to always say to me, go with the energy feels good. That's it. Don't overthink it. Just go where it's feeling good. And when I would say, oh, I don't know if this is the person I don't know if I should, you don't need to know anything. Did it feel good? Was the conversation good? can you be vulnerable with them? And then how do they show up? That's how you start to build like um, that relationship. And that's how you start to see
0: whether or not this person is actually right for you. You won't know that in date one. You know, your intuition is almost like never wrong. (laughs) Even when something starts and you have like a thought in your head, it's like, it tends to be the way it goes. Like, let's talk about energy. Like what, Would you advise people how, because you said, if you don't know about energy, if you don't know about frequency, if you don't know about vibration, check it out. You need to, because it's real. Like, what is it about the real that you want people to know?
2: Well, I think just understanding how to get yourself out of a low vibration, a low energy to a higher one, going through that process of validation, self-soothing, all of those things to move yourself out of a space. I think that's very healthy, but in terms of energy with another person. Um my thing was I wanted to learn the difference
0: between fear and intuition. Oh god. Right. Yes. Help oh, yes. oh, me. Was right? Like- god damn it. <laughs> it's such a <laughs> hard one. It's it is, such it a fine line. Hard.
2: I have read everything and watched every YouTube video guru purse that talks about it, and you know, oh. if it's fear, if it's fear, you don't want to do it. If and I'm like, mm, "I don't think that's right." You know, I think you for me, I think when we get stuck on the fear and intuition, we we fear making a bad decision, right? I don't want to make a bad decision. I want to know. If we're in
0: fear, we fear making a bad decision. Right, right. right. Okay.
2: So I I said, you know what? Instead of putting so much pressure on myself to know that this is intuition that I'm making because intuition is the right decision, right? So instead of putting so much pressure on myself to like, is this intuition? I just said, I'm going to go with energy feels good, right? And if something scares me, but I know I should do it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to parent myself through it, right? To help myself and letting go of the need to have all the decisions be right and correct in my life. So can I make a bad decision, pick the wrong person and be okay with that? Mm. It it just takes this pressure off of yourself. And Mm. if you can listen to yourself, if you have that conversation with that part of yourself, that inner child, and really wholeheartedly sit with her. She's in the chair and you're the therapist. I always tell people, if you want to do this exercise, you have to learn how to detach from that voice, from that you know little voice within that your child. So imagine you sitting here and being the child, worry, fear, stress, anxiety, insecurity, everything that comes up, right? And then you turning around and you're the parent or the therapist and help her through what she's feeling. Because sometimes she doesn't even know what she's feeling. She's just feeling something. She's just worried and helping her break down. What's really the problem here. What are you really nervous about? Then you start to kind of like break fears down and then they don't have as much energetic pull over you to kind of like mess with your life.
0: So fear is making a fear is the fear of making a bad decision. Fear is more paralyzing. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. And intuition is more action.
2: It is more action, but you know, with intuition, when she's talking, do you listen? And what is she saying? Like, I always try to like, have like a really good conversation with her to understand, like, do you really want to do this? Like, what are you really scared of? You know? And a lot of it is pain. I'm just scared of pain. Okay. Well, what pain? And then don't get me wrong. There are times where I'm like, do you want to do this? And if you listen to her, Mm -hmm. if it's intuition, she'll go, no, no. That's a hard no. I don't want to do this. I don't feel like this person's right. Okay, so what's really going on? Well, I don't want to be alone. I'm bored. Mm. I'm lonely. I'm feeling insecure. Whatever. I haven't had sex in a while. (laughs) Whatever Whatever it is, right? Mm. So it's you really just have to like listen to her and have conversations with her and she'll
0: guide you. I'm glad you said the word sex because I wanted to ask you about that. Man, it always seems like the most prevalent indicator. It's not the most important thing. You can work on right. that, right? right? But yet right. it really becomes this barometer of connection.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Is that what you found in coaching? Is that what you found in, in in experiencing couples? And how do you create a healthy sex life? Is it an actual like thing that you talk about, agree to, or is it more symptomatic?
2: Well, I mean, I think different phases of different relationships, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, in the beginning, you should be having amazing sex all the time, no fighting. It's it's great. And, you know, as the relationship.
0: What's, all, what's the how, how long is that supposed to last? Some people are like, yeah, I want to live in the honeymoon
2: phase forever and you should. And,
0: well, yeah, everybody does. But realistically, like, how long should you be in the honeymoon phase versus, you know, versus not? Because it can be an indicator of. Issues.
2: I still feel like I'm in a honeymoon phase. Just now, there's other real life that also is here with us. Do you know what I mean? So, like in the beginning, when I was when we were dating, we weren't taught. We weren't dealing with each other's families. Or your mom needs to go to the doctor. Or this needs to have. There wasn't life really yeah. happening. We yeah. were talking to kids. Like, all right, will you go pick him up at soccer? And then this has to happen. Like, none of that was happening. There was no stress. It was just fun times Mm there is now there's still fun times. There is not as many because now we have life and responsibilities, but there's still playfulness. There's still great sex. There's not as much great sex as there was in the beginning because there's responsibilities. So if you're communicating and like, Hey, we haven't had a date night in a while. And like, Hey, we need to focus on ourselves. I mean, we're lucky because we're both divorced. And so we kind of have built in babysitters, but for (laughs) the people that don't and they have to like really make it a point to spend that time with each other if there are families and children involved it is harder you know you have to really plan how to you know keep that spark alive but you know think about like during covid when we were like all in quarantine and like you were trapped in the house with your husband or your girlfriend or kids or whatever you can still be i think playfulness is like that was something that i said early on when i was dating i'm like i want playfulness i want to be 80 years old and you still walk by me in the kitchen and smack my ass, like a hundred percent, like be f- I want to be fun, you know, cause life's so stressful and there's right. so much going on all the time that if you can't like just be on the couch and just play and be silly.
0: Play is something that people get into when they're in the mental, emotional state of wanting to be playful, like wanting to have fun,
2: wanting to let go of the stress of life. So when I get into a playful state with their it- person, with their person. Yeah. So, like, when I get into a playful state, I make it a point because I want to laugh.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Like, I want to take away. I think people take life just too seriously. And I, I sometimes say this more with women than men, where they're like, don't smack my ass, or, or they're just like moody and they're defensive because they're stressed, they're tired. I get it. I'm a woman. I have children. I, I have a business. I totally understand what that means. But you have to be able to own your own happiness. So regardless of my life and kids and responsibility and stress and whatever, I want to have a good day today. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, you know, so it's to- a,
0: it's a more sovereign experience in your day. Yeah. Yeah. So what if it's, the other person not- isn't? So what if it's the not- other person isn't into it?
2: Um. So then you're not swimming in the same
0: pool. So then what do you do?
2: when I started coaching, there was a woman that I remember having a conversation with and she said, um, I have a coach friend and she works with couples and all she does is she re readjust their uh, relationship agreement. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So she said, they come to me before they get married. They draft mm-hmm. their agreement. What is their marriage going to look like? Who's going to work? Who's going to manage the kids? Who's going to do this before they have kids. Maybe they come back and they redo the agreement. Okay. Now we're having kids. So Sex is going to go away for a little bit. This is So they're always talking about what kind of relationship do you actually want? And I think that's important to kind of sit with your partner and say, hey, we've been together for a year. Like, what do you want more of? What do I want more of? And just negotiate your contract with each other. What can you compromise with? What can't you? What are you putting on your partner to be responsible for in terms of your own happiness versus the things that, like I said, the playfulness, I don't do it for him. I don't do it to be cute for him. You know what I mean? I do it for me. Because it feels good. Because it feels good. Yeah. And I I also want our kids to see a healthy relationship, a happy relationship. I never saw my parents kissing and hugging and be playful and silly, you know, and even though they're, you know, nine and 11 and eight, they get grossed out, but that's okay. You know, we're not doing anything (laughs) inappropriate and they should see happy parents that are in love that are, you know, holding each other that are being playful.
0: What do you say to couples that are staying married for the kids?
2: I mean, I've had friends growing up where their parents did that. And the problem with that is that ah, it sinks because I think in their mind, they think they're doing, you know, such a service to the kids and they're just so not. So well, not. because they're
0: showing them that you're not, you're not kissing, you're not slapping asses. Yeah. And you're not <laughs> laughing. If you're not in a relationship, you want to be, if you're in a relationship, you don't want to be in. So you're demonstrating um, a lifestyle, a relationship to the children that is not a good one.
2: And I think, you know, we have this, like, I don't know if it started in the eighties probably. Cause that's really when divorce just kind of took off. Mm-hmm. But we have this thing that like, if we're separating you we get divorced the kids are going to be all screwed up and it's like you couldn't be further from the truth kids yeah kids always want their parents to be together of course but they just want their parents happy like i didn't give them, i didn't care at all that my parents were divorced i cared that they hated each other mm-hmm. I, I cared about so if parents are happy and they can be separate you know, yes, it'll still be difficult for everyone because there's shared time and I miss mom and I want to go whatever, but you can manage that way easier than two people that hate each other or two people that are together that don't like each other.
0: You would advise to move on,
2: fix your own self, not your, not your partner, you know, don't worry about your partner and what they're doing and picking at them
0: work on you.
2: So when I coach pe- couples, I don't coach them together. I coach them individually. Because if I coach them together, it constantly is a, what am I not getting in this relationship? What is this person doing wrong? Rather than saying, what are you doing that's causing the things in the relationship that you don't like? Because if you can own your stuff and they can own theirs, you'll have a great relationship.
0: What are the, what's some of the best things to ask yourself, say if conflict comes up, like, what are a couple things that you can do to take like the first steps the best steps towards resolution
2: why do i feel this way and really understanding what that means not why do i feel this way because they did this go deeper than that Mm. if you can go deeper then yeah you'll get to like the root of what's bothering you versus what you think is bothering you is what they're doing yeah so it's not that they left the socks on the floor it's not that they never picked the restaurant what does it mean does what, it mean it to you? You? what does it mean to you? Yeah, mm-hmm. if you can do that when you feel uncomfortable before an argument, then you're already owning your stuff, and you're getting clear on what's really going on. And if you can communicate that with the other person, and they communicate what's bothering them, right, then you can start to kind of like. And sometimes you do need a therapist for this because you need mm-hmm. someone to kind of mediate because. Yeah. You're new at doing this. You're not going to do it well. (laughs) When you start to get uncomfortable again, you're going to want to push that away and put it on that person.
0: Yeah. So what is the point? I love asking this question because I'm really just curious. What are the, what is the point of relationships?
2: I think they're meant to heal us for sure. Every relationship is giving you something that is supposed to heal you and move you to the next level in your journey. They're either doing it through pain or pleasure.
0: Do you think that as you heal, because I feel like sort of the healing and the growth stuff, like it just seems far more prevalent across the board than it ever used to. Like, let's say before the 80s, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) do you think that that is meant that that it can be done with one person? No. Meaning like one relationship? No. Okay.
2: Every person in in my life is, again, either giving me pleasure or pain. So whatever they're giving me is giving me um, like an insight or a tool to like go the next step in my journey. And most people give you both. I mean, my son gives me so much pleasure and is giving me so much unconditional love. But you know then there's the frustration that you get
1: as a
0: parent but what I mean is it can it can you be with one person in your life married or together can you have a partner in life that you can grow through all these things like it just seems just seems challenging to always to 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 be on a growth in a growth mindset lifestyle and always be on the same page is that can they help take you to the next level? Like you reach one level, you get triggered. Can that person continue to help reach levels? It kind of boils back down to what's the point of a relationship? Is it, if it's to grow and evolve, then I just really get curious about the institution of marriage, the idea of being with one person your whole life. Like, is this a realistic expectation level of human beings these days that are living to 100 and pretty soon we're going to live to 120?
2: I mean don't expect your partner to give you everything that you need in, in to feel good or to be happy in a relationship. So I I love my partner. I'm in a great relationship, but that's not the end all be all of Stephanie and so I don't think it is this one relationship, but I do think that's going to just heal everything. No, not at all because you need the triggers. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean like
2: and if your partner Say that again,
0: say that 10 times in a row. Say that again and again and again, because it's, people get freaking scared when things yeah. come up in a relationship, they go, not the right one. Not the right one.
2: Yeah. You need the triggers. It's just, are you, do you have the tools? Are you ready? You know, like, um, I don't believe my ex-husband was ready to open the window and that's why he, that's why he dipped and I don't fault him for that. That's his soul's journey. My soul's journey was for this. And so it, it whatever you want to believe in, maybe in another life, maybe whatever, but his path of his life, he at that point, maybe in 10 years, but at that point he wasn't ready to open the window and mm. that's okay. And if you, if you're not ready to open the window for whatever the reasons are old soul, new soul, not this life's journey, whatever. Um, and you don't have the tools to even open the window because it scares the hell out of you. yeah, Then yeah, wrong person.
0: You're, not, you're just you're not maybe right for a little while
2: maybe right for a little while well, and I do believe everyone's supposed to be in your life for a reason hundred percent I was meant to marry him I was meant to learn those lessons i had this business developed my business developed from it I was meant to have my son um and yeah i and I think when you have that kind of outlook then you don't feel like such a victim like why did this happen to me or why did I pick this person you picked them for a reason and you can't judge that, that that's part of your journey. It's painful. And I, know I, know. I remember listening to that stuff when I was going through myself, and I'm like, girl, I'm not there yet.
1: <laughs> but yeah.
2: once you understand forgiveness, once you understand why things happen, once you take a hard look at yourself and other people, you know, and, and it's not about blaming you, but understanding these concepts, then you kind of like release that like anger, you know, bitterness or Um, anything negative that you would feel for someone, you kind of like let it go. And then, you know, you feel way better.
0: Well, it's, it's a effort to achieve more sovereignty. And, and, and when you are, then, you know, things don't hook as much. They just, you're sort of a, you're your own ecosystem Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: other people can, you know, interact and there can be cool experiences, but you're not getting hooked into all these other things because you're, you're like a self-sustaining, positive (laughs) flow, energy being. You know,
2: one of my mantras, I say it all the time, but I always say, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. No matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. I repeat that constantly because you have to remind yourself that like you will, you know how to take care of yourself. You just haven't been, that's the only thing I tell, you know, people that I start coaching, it's you just, you haven't done it because you didn't know what to do. You're learning what to do. And now you're going to do things differently. And when you do things differently, you just feel this like comfort of like, I'm okay. You, It's a, it's a beautiful feeling to be like, I am my own best friend. It's, I'm sure you've heard like Mel Robbins before, where she does the whole um, no one's coming to save you. No, it's going. I remember the first time she said it, I was like, that's harsh.
1: (laughs) Totally true. It's totally true.
2: And but it doesn't have to be something that when she said it, um, you know, for me, I was like, ooh, but it's not a scary thing. It's actually a really beautiful thing. You know, you just have to kind of like Feel like you got your own back, you know, you have to feel like you are your own best friend. And when you really feel that, then you say that very easily. Like no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay.
0: Cause you're your own best friend. That's beautiful. I I remember when my therapist told me a couple of years ago, she told me, uh, nobody holds the keys for you. Like nobody holds the keys to feel to healing and feeling better. Like it's up to you. And I cried and I was like, that's a lot of responsibility.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: He's like, well, it's not just you, I'm here and you have other people. like it's, but it is up to you. And I think that that is probably one of the most important messages is like it is up to you. And like we can't fix anyone and we can only fix ourselves. And the more we sort of tap into that 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 self, that self-talk, sovereignty, like the better off we'll be.
2: Well, and I'm sure you've seen this one too. Matthew Hussey, he did an interview. He said in the interview, you are the only person that has been with yourself every single day for your entire life. And you're the only person that will be with yourself every single day for the rest of your life. And when he said that, that felt more comforting. So I was like, wow, it's just it just, you realize you are the only person that really actually knows how to take care of yourself.
0: Your boyfriend doesn't. Yeah, he right. Knows. They're not a he mind knows. reader. I mean, they're he an knows. energy reader, but they don't know, they don't even get that <laughs> yet.
2: <laughs> no one will ever know exactly what you need and how you feel in every single moment. Only you do. So that to me is more like cozy, comforting because I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. No one actually knows except for me, versus it feeling like such a responsibility. It doesn't, it's it's not a big responsibility. You just have to like understand that I'm the only person that knows what to do. And then, you know, detaching from that inner child and giving her what she needs, then things start getting easier, you know? And even when things aren't easy in life, because it's not going to be like, well, life's going to be easy once I learn this and I'll never go through any pain. No, but when you do, it won't take you down rabbit holes like it used to before. You already have the tools. So you know how to work with difficult situations. Yeah.
0: Less confusing. Less
2: confusing. Exactly. Because you know what to still do.
0: Hard. Still hard. Still emotional because- You're alchemizing something that has been stuck for a while. You're shifting the pattern, the hormonal triggered system Mm
1: -hmm. that's
0: coming up. But you kind of are. You're like, oh, I've done this really, really, really hard workout before. I know what it's going to be like. It's still going to be hard, but I know what this is going to look like.
2: Right? It's almost like rehabilitation. If you've ever done uh, PT or like anything like that, then it's like that. Like I know what this is going to be like. Yeah, it may not be fun. But this too shall pass. That's another, you know, I think I always say this too shall pass because it will. And as long as you understand what to do, then you just practice it. And then the sun shines again. And then you're like, okay, here we go. You know, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, I'm so glad that I get to teach this. I'm so glad I get to talk about it. It's an important message because it, I mean, it's mental health. This is what we're supposed to learn. Usually we learn it through pain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: Unfortunately. It, is, it is the way. Unfortunately, yeah. it is the way because we don't wake up from the sleeping sleeping darkness of problems with, you know, with just like happy-go-lucky days. It's usually it's usually always has to go through the fire.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, even I tell people, the you got to do the 80-20 rule. It's like 80% of the time you should be taking care of yourself. Know this, stop, practice it. 20% is the therapist, the coach, the videos, the whatever, but then there are days where it flips and that's okay. You know, sometimes it's like, I can only give myself 20. That's all I got today. And you're relying on mom and dad and friends and whatever to do the bulk of it to kind of pick you back up for a second. That's cool. As long as that's not the majority of the time. And when you're unhealthy, it is majority of the time you're only doing 20 and everyone else is doing 80 or you want
0: them to do eighty in a in a healthy healthy balanced life how much time should you be spending um taking care of yourself and doing the things that you want to do the things that bring you um, that are put you in good energy that feel good versus the other stuff where it's like, oh, I'm going to compromise so that I can sort of like, I know this is your need, or, um, I don't really want to go do this, or, um, you know, this is challenging. How much of that time should we be really looking after ourselves?
2: Well, I think if you're always having a conversation with yourself and you're always doing like check-ins, then, there is no definitive answer to that question, Mm. right? You'll kind of just like ebb and flow. You'll know when like, okay, I've been doing too much. I need to step away. Mm. When problems happen, it's because there hasn't been those check-ins and you've Mm. kind of basically just been abandoning her essentially. So it's like babysitting and you were in the other room doing whatever. And then you came in and the whole room is a mess. Now you're like, oh my God. The kids, you know, got into the flower and like, you know, the whole house is trash. You now you got to clean the house and take care of the kid. So it's kind of like that. So if you're constantly just peeking in, you okay, you need anything. And, um, when I go over this with clients, I say, look at it this way. If you babysat a little kid all day, what's, I mean, think about when you were a child, when you woke up in the morning, no matter what age you walked into the kitchen or room or whatever. And the first, how you doing? How'd you sleep? What do you need? What's going on today? There was hungry. Are you hungry? Like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to do today? Do you want to play with that toy? It was constant questions, being curious about how you were doing and what's going on and what do you need? And are you okay? And, you know, and so if you can throughout the day, just kind of pause and just do a quick check-in after this podcast, do a, Hey, how are you doing? What do you need right now? Not just like, Oh, I have to go to the bathroom and that's it. (laughs) But like, What do you honestly need? How do you really feel? And really, just starting that dialogue with yourself, then you know, boundaries gets easier. You heal from codependency from that. You pick better partners. Like you might do things that are stretching yourself. Okay, well, I worked twelve hours today. Okay, I can sense you're tired. What do we need to do tomorrow? And when she says I need to sleep in, I need to readjust my calendar. Do you honor that, or do you say No, no, no. We got to keep going. We got to push.
0: Take a little look at your uh, at your Band-Aid coping mechanisms that you use. Your your addiction to bypass things, whether it's working out, drugs, alcohol, um, you know, drama cycles, like certain people, like a sport, whatever it may be. Like, have a look at what you're doing instead of sitting in the feeling. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly, and then you know you'll start to. This that relationship with yourself, I mean that's that's huge. You have you have to. If you don't, then you're just gonna feel angry, you're gonna feel depleted, you're gonna go to addictions. Like it's just life is really messy when you just ignore that voice.
0: Thank you so much. Such good advice. Thank you, thank you. And keep sharing all the good info. I'm looking for looking forward to all your videos that come out. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what
1: you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.